All right, we are continuing on in the book of Galatians this morning as we have been, I think now, for, for six weeks. And we're walking through Galatians. Paul is really hammering this Galatian church on the law. And he's saying you do not get justification by following all of the law. It's by faith in Christ alone. And so you think about all of the, the crazy laws that we have in our world. Maybe you had a, grew up in a home where your parents had some unique things that were like some of their OCD points that you knew not to push uh, in their house. You know, I, I was doing some reading this week on, on crazy uh, laws or ordinances across the country. And in Tennessee, the Tennessee Constitution, it's illegal to hold public office if a person does the following. Fight in a duel or knowingly be the bearer of a challenge to fight a duel or send or accept a challenge for that purpose, or be an aider or a better in fighting in a duel. Just so you know, you can't be a dueler if you're going to be in Tennessee office. Another one, Billings, Montana. No entertainer or performer shall be permitted to, as they're singing, to come down into the audience. I thought, okay, what crazy thing happened to, uh, for that? Okay, Jefferson City, Missouri, it's illegal to have more than two in a to have more than a more than two in a particular location during the course of the year. A garage sale cannot last longer than three days and must be held within certain hours. You cannot have more than two garage sales in a year in Jefferson City, Montana, and it can't last longer than three hours or three days and must be held within certain hours. Sounds like you got some people on city council that used to be on an HOA, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Here's, here's one, um, it's illegal for a pawnbroker to take or receive as a pledge any artificial limb in the state of Delaware. I thought, man, that's, that's a unique one. All right, here's my favorite one. And if you're caught using a reptile in a religious service in Kentucky, you could face a fine of more than $50. So that one made me chuckle because we one time Pastor Jay and I talking to someone about church and they asked what kind of church is your church and Pastor Jay says well we only bring out the snakes once a month and I thought oh gosh leave it up to Pastor Jay so that one just kind of made me laugh so anyway so you think about all these crazy laws these things that you have to to keep um, you know as you walk through the the um, all of the the laws that we have in the land and Paul is coming back to it time and time again saying, here is the law. We break the law every moment of every day when we think the thoughts. Because Jesus said, not only is it, are you breaking the law by your outward, but you break it inwardly as well by your thoughts. And he's, Paul is saying, there's no way we can ever keep the law. If you remember a couple weeks ago, the law shows us that our sin it points to our sin, and it shows that we need Jesus. We need a Savior because we cannot do it by ourselves. We cannot keep all of the laws by ourselves. So Paul's going to keep going here in chapter 4, verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, 
were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. In other words, Paul's saying here in these first few verses, before we come to maturity in Christ, before righteous, we have righteous desires are fully formed in our hearts, we need the law. We talked about that last week. We have to be told what to do. We have to force ourselves to do the right thing sometimes. And that included Israel before Jesus came because they were underneath the Mosaic law. It also includes us as immature Christians. When we desire things that we shouldn't desire, the law was totally inefficient, though, to change our hearts. The law cannot change our hearts. It only happens through Christ. So we keep going here. But, verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So let's stop there. God wanted to make us into sons and daughters who want to love and obey him. He didn't want us to remain slaves, as he said in the verse, who were forced to obey. He wants us to do it out of our love. So he redeemed us. Jesus, it says, born under the law so he could live the life that we were supposed to live and die the death that we were condemned to die. And in doing so, he brought us out of the orphanage of sin where sin was our mother and Satan was our father and he put us underneath the household of God as adopted sons and daughters, verse 6. And because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is an intimate term to God. It's almost like saying, Daddy, Dad. After God cleared our sin debt through Christ, he put Christ's spirit in us. And as Christ's spirit is in us, we would start to love and trust God like Jesus did. Every child who loves their father wants to be like their father to a certain extent. I can remember even as a young child, you guys know my dad was a pastor. And I can remember people would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I'd say I wanted to be a pastor. Why? Because I didn't know everything that went into it. But I knew that I wanted to be like my dad. I had that desire to want to be like my dad. My dad never even put that pressure on me. But at the same time, it honored my dad that I wanted to be like him. That his son looked up to him enough to want to be like him. And sometimes when we, I look in the mirror now, my wife especially tells me this, I can see Mark Hodges. I can see my dad, my dad looking back at me, and that's okay because I love my dad and I've always wanted to become the man that he is. And that happens to us as we grow and we mature in our faith. We want to become more and more like Christ. We strive for that Christ-likeness, this law that we used to hate, this law that we used to push against as our Love for God grows and our desire to embrace God grows. That thing we used to shove away, we used to say, I love him. And because I love him, I embrace this. So he says, verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And that makes you 
free. We're no longer slaves to sin, but we are adopted heirs of God. No longer do we live under the law that forces us to do what we don't want to do, but Christ's Spirit comes into us and changes our desires so that obeying the law is now something that we desire to do. The Spirit changes that within us. So let, I have an illustration. Let me illustrate it this way, because I know this is a, a heavy thing to think about. And this is kind of crude, so I'm going to apologize up front for this. But let's just say that we're up here one Sunday morning, and Pastor Jay gets really sick while he's leading us worship before. And he can't hold it, and he just throws up right here on the floor, right in front of us. We don't have anything to clean it up. There's no, nothing around here. We're, we're, we're going to steam on ahead. We're going to have church, and we're going to move forward. We don't have time to clean it up. I would not have to get up here and tell you that it is against the rules of Bethel Community Church for you to come up here and lick up this vomit. You would not be allowed to come and lick up this vomit. We're going to put two big old guards up here on either side of me with big baseball bats, and if any of you try to come up here and lick up this vomit, they're going to beat you down and throw you out of the church. Because that is the law of Bethel Community Church. You cannot lick up the vomit. Now, nobody here that hears that is saying, oh, man, that's my chance to go get some free vomit. <laughs> I never, no one thought that. No one is even remotely thinking that. Why? Because vomit is disgusting to you. Therefore, you don't need a law to tell you not to lick it up because it's disgusting to you. Now, that would be different if you were a dog. Dog's like, oh, warm vomit, hot dog, yum. <laughs> the dog does need the law. Listen, God doesn't want spiritual dogs in heaven to only obey the law because they're afraid that God will beat them with a stick if they don't obey. God wants people in heaven who think sin is disgusting as he thinks sin is. You catch my drift here? As disgusting as we thought that licking up someone's vomit is to us and how that just turned some of your stomachs as I was watching you, think about that in relation to God with sin, of how disgusting our sin is before a holy God. And he wants, as he sends his spirit into us, to think different thoughts, to desire different things. We now desire holiness and righteousness instead of desiring the things of the world before. So this is what God is wanting to produce in you, and the law cannot do that no matter how big the guy is with the stick. The law cannot do that. The gospel changes your heart so that you desire to do what the God's law tells you you should do. The gospel frees us to obey God. Now when I say frees you to obey God in our culture, that sounds strange. That, sound, that lands on some of you maybe strange this morning because our culture celebrates freedom as the ability to define your own existence and to make your own rules. That's what our culture says today. That's freedom. Define who you are and define what you're going to do. That's the way we define freedom. This, how, this is how the Supreme Court of the United States defines freedom. 
They said this in a pretty famous ruling on sexual, sexual ethics. They said, the heart of liberty is to define one's own concept of existence and the meaning of the universe. That was Justice Anthony Kennedy. Let me bring it down to this level. A popular movie came out in 2004 called I, Robot, where Will Smith starred in this movie. And the gist of the movie is that Sonny, whose purpose it is, this robot named Sonny, his purpose is to stave off a plot to destroy the human race. And after Sonny succeeds, I'm not ruining the movie for any of you that were getting ready to run home and watch this 15-year-old movie, we know that Sonny will succeed because it's Will Smith and the Fresh Prince always succeeds, doesn't he? So after he succeeds, will, he tells Will Smith that he's depressed because now he doesn't know what to do with himself and that his purpose in being created has been fulfilled. Will Smith, the ever insightful philosopher, tells him, well, I guess now you're like the rest of us, free to make your own way. That's how our world defines freedom. That's how our culture views freedom. You are free to find your own purpose. And maybe you've heard that in a in a movie or a philosophy class in college, you define who you're going to be and what you're going to do, and that's your freedom. But the Bible says something completely different. That's, the Bible would say that's not freedom at all. Let me think about it even in another way of illustrating it. Let's say we have a fish that develops a psychological disorder. I know I'm going down a deep hole today. We've got psychologically disordered fish. A fish with a psychological disorder, and he wants to hop out of the water onto dry land. The fish does it, starts flopping around and thinks, I'm free, I'm free, I'm no longer constrained by that restrictive ocean. How long will that fish be free? Not very long, right? Not very long, he'll be dead. Why? Because he is designed to be in the water. And the fish will only thrive when the fish is in the water. You and I, just like the fish, we are created for God. We are created worshipers. We are created to worship. Our purpose and where we find freedom in our life is in our worship of a holy, righteous God. That is when our heart is full of the freedom that we can experience. And those who have walked faithfully with God for many years can tell you that that is true. Hold that thought. We're going to keep coming back to this, of this freedom. Verse 8, formerly... When you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that thought by nature are not gods. In other words, Paul is saying total freedom is a myth because we are not God. You don't create or generate your own freedom. We all deep down, we know that we need security. We know how fragile life can be. We all know that we have no power to stop a meteor from hitting earth. We know that if the earth were to move off of its axis just a small percentage, that one way or another we would freeze or we would burn up. God is the one who controls everything. And we need something beyond ourselves to experience that joy and freedom. And so we identify something that we need to be happy 
We identify something ultimately that we are going to worship. Remembering, we were created for worship. So if we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else. Why? Because that's what we were created to do, just like the fish was created for the ocean. And so sometimes we turn to money. And when we worship that, we become obsessive, stingy, sometimes workaholics. Sometimes people turn to romance. They think romance, that, oh, I've got to have that person in my life. I can't be alone all of my life. You become to, de- to depend on it. You become fearful of being alone or really codependent in relationships. I've seen some people who go after romance like someone going after a life preserver. Like they just run to anything or anyone that they can find to give them that romance. Sometimes you find security in family to be fulfilled. You become controlling and possessive of your family. You need your kids to turn out well because it's a validation of you if they turn out well. You need them to be close and you resent them for doing things that take them far away. If you look to the approval of others to be happy, then you'll be enslaved by other people's opinions. It'll be crippling of you. We're searching for something or someone to give us the security of meaning and fulfillment. Something that clothes your nakedness. And whatever it is, we become a slave to it. And we worship at that altar. And it drives us. Sometimes it's just pleasure. Looking for the next pleasure. I live my life to get to the beach or to get to Disney or to get to wherever and everything else is just a drudgery in life for you. The same thing Paul is saying, it's crazy, is the same thing is true when you turn to obedience to the law to try to save yourself. Rather being clothed by the righteousness of Christ according to the promises of God, you try to clothe yourself through your obedience to the law. And that makes you, as Paul's saying here, a slave to the law. You're worshiping the law instead of the lawgiver. You've switched your affections of your worship. A lot of times you get really technical and legalistic, paranoid. Did I obey enough? Did I confess enough? Do I go to church enough? And it becomes an obsession. The law becomes an obsession instead of your worship of a holy God. Verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world? Man, what a verse. Paul is just letting the Galatians have it. He says, now that you know God, now that you know the freedom and the joy and all of those things are experienced through God, How can you turn back and worship all of those other things? How can you be like a fish that thinks you're going to find your freedom out of the water? You can't. You are created by God for God. And in the gospel, we find that what we are looking for, we are reunited with him. We are clothed in righteousness. Do you really want to turn back again to yourselves and look to the things of the world for acceptance? He ends that verse 9. He says, whose slaves you want to become again? Do you want to become a slave again to the world and to the law? Really? Really, Galatians? 
You know, God wants to make us into sons and daughters, and he does that only by the power of the Spirit. And the power of the Spirit is only released through faith in the message of the gospel. My tagline for this series has been, the first time we believed, it is finished. We were released from the penalty of sin. That moment of salvation that we say, I believe that Christ died upon the cross. When he said it is finished, he conquered death and hell once and for all. And I have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. When we believe it is finished, we're released from the penalty of sin. And as we continue to believe it, we are released from the power of sin in our life. The gospel is not change and I'll accept you. The gospel is, admit that you need to be changed. Submit to God and trust him to do it. And he will change you. He'll give you the heart of a son and a daughter who desires to be around their dad. That is what God is calling to many of you today. He is saying, I want to be your Abba Father. I want to be your daddy. You don't have the heart of a son yet. Please give me your heart so I can change it. Come to me and trust me and I'll give it to you. You don't have to do anything to earn my approval or do anything in your own power to change your heart. Just put your faith and trust in me. My approval is a gift purchased by Christ and given to you simply as a gift. All you have to do is believe and my spirit will do the work in you. The spirit will come in and help us understand the freedom and the joy we have as worshipers, as sons and daughters of our Abba Father. Let's pray.